the innocuous sound of a large wicker basket being opened. Innocuous, that is, until you realise it is from Henri-Georges Clouseau's 1955 classic noir, Les Diabolique. Adapted from a 1951 novel, Celle qui n'était plus, She Who Was No More, written by Pierre Boileau and Thomas Narsajac, the sound comes just shy of an hour into Clouseau's film. By that time, we have seen a sadistic schoolmaster, Michel, played by Paul Maurice, punish his defenceless students, bully his timid staff, heard him assault his wife Christina, played by Vera Clouseau, and seen bruises about the face of his mistress, Nicole, played by Simone Signoret. Deciding that they have had enough, Christina and Nicole conspire to murder Michel. Christina lures him to Nicole's apartment, laces his cognac with a sedative, and Nicole drowns him in the bath. They then transport the corpse back to the school, where, under the cover of night, they prepare to dump his remains into the swimming pool. Clouseau could have had the killers use a heavy leather trunk with locks and hinges to transport the body. But that would likely have meant the opening of the trunk would have been a near silent moment. Or if the hinges had not been oiled, a high-pitched squeak. But even then, that sound would not have delivered Clouseau's required effect. No, the noise had to convey something more than just a sound. Given that the moment serves as the climax to a scheme Christina and Nicole have been planning since the beginning of the film, Michel's demise is something we have been wishing for as well. As such, the sound of the basket creaking open had to serve as the culmination of meticulous scheming. Perhaps, instead of the creaking wicker, Clouseau could have had Christina or Nicole sigh with relief. But that would have been too literal. The sound absolutely had to serve our sense of release, as if it were echoing our neck muscles that have been so flexed with tension and are now finally relaxing. To prove how difficult Clouseau's decision was, let us listen to the other adaptations of the Boileau Narsajac novel. So popular has it been that filmmakers have translated it to the screen, big and small, no less than five times. We have, in 1967, Games, directed by Curtis Harrington and starring James Caan, Catherine Ross and reprising her role from Lady Abelique, Simone Signoret. Unfortunately, each adaptation has brought exponentially diminishing returns, which means that the most recent, from 1996, directed by Jeremiah Chechik and starring Sharon Stone, Isabella Adjani and Charles Palmenteri, is by far the worst. Here is the corresponding moment from the 1974 version Reflections of Murder, directed for television by John Badham and starring Tuesday Weld, Joan Hackett and Sam Waterston. Sound design plays an important role in Clouseau's film because, like his previous picture, The Wages of Fear, he chose not to deploy the commission's score in a traditional way. And so, in a non-traditional way, the indigenous sounds we hear in Lady Abelique come to serve as the music. Outside of the title track composed by Georges Van Paris, which accompanies the opening and closing credits, for the rest of the film, any music the audience hears is the music the characters hear which is why the creaking of the wicker basket works. Just as an object is not solely defined by its own shape, but also by the empty space around it, so too a sound not exclusively defined by the noise it makes, 
but also by the relative silence to which we compare it. The final transportation of the corpse from the scene of the crime into the car, into the night and finally into the grounds of the school might have worked with music underscoring the tension. But likely the music would have had to have stopped in order for us to notice the creaking. Besides the very important sound of the wicker basket creaking, Lady Abelique delivers this. We all know how irritating the sound of a dripping tap can be, especially at night when we are trying to get some sleep. But this dripping comes after the murder, when Christina is lying awake in bed, waiting for the morning so she and Nicole can carry out the final part of their plan. Now factor in that Christina is a practising Catholic. So, far from the water providing absolution, it is a torturous reminder of the crime she has just committed. This is the tap that filled the bath in which Nicole drowned Michelle, and the same bath that Christina and Nicole will have to drain in the morning. And in case we weren't paying attention, Christina and Nicole dump Michelle's body into the swimming pool, which itself will have to be drained, only then to reveal that Michelle's corpse has gone missing. Christina's mind soon goes with it, and from there, Lady Abelique takes on a slightly different tone, shifting from thriller to quasi-ghost story or even horror. In the 1993 television adaptation House of Secrets, directed by Mimi Leder and starring Melissa Gilbert, Kate Vernon and Bruce Broxleitner, it is a lily pond and not a swimming pool that needs to be drained. It's impossible. Where is he? Dead men don't just disappear. Someone obviously took him out of the Oh, God, my head. How do I know? Someone trying to blackmail us, maybe? Doesn't make any sense. I'm afraid. If someone took him out of there... How could they? I'd lock the gates. If somebody took him out, then someone from right here. Maybe. I don't know. It's crazy. <gasps> Everything's crazy. The final great use of sound in Lady Abelique comes very near the end. By this stage, Christina has become distracted, convinced that Michelle's ghost has returned to haunt her. Late at night, she hears noises coming from down the corridor. Going to investigate, she hears a clacking coming from inside Michelle's office. Christina inches inside to see a single page on which Michelle's full name has been typed. Over and over and over. How do you like it? (laughs) How do you like it? Outside of Georges Van Paris' music, Clouseau's score is a careful arrangement of diegetic sounds. Just how important the arrangement of those sounds was to Clouseau can be seen in the opening titles, where he credited the film's sound designer, William Robert Civel, with his own separate card. Civel, whose career spanned half a century and over 120 films, embedded those sounds so naturally within the scenes, we can hear them but are not fully aware of how they are playing on our nerves. One of the reasons Civelle was able to do this was because of the advancement in sound recording, 
which had moved from the first days of synchronised sound in the late 1920s, when it was recorded via Vitaphone onto disc. Wait a minute, wait a minute, you ain't heard nothing yet. Wait a minute, I tell you, you ain't heard nothing. You want to hear Tootsie? Tut, tut, All right, hold on. To the mid-1940s with the emergence of magnetic tape, which sounded roughly like this. Ce qu'il faut, c'est du calme. Beaucoup de calme. Beaucoup de sang-froid. J'en aurai, va. Je te jure que j'en aurai. Knowing that you could present a near silence meant you could focus on sounds more specific than dialogue and music. So, Savelle's sounds affect us subliminally, manipulate our emotions, and heighten the suspense. Which brings us to the master of suspense himself, Alfred Hitchcock. It has long been said that Clouseau snapped off the rights to Boileau Narsajac's novel just hours before Hitchcock was able to do so. When Lady Diabolique was initially released, it was hailed as the greatest horror film ever made. Obviously, the genre has developed considerably since then, and as a consequence, Lady Diabolique has been reclassified as a suspense thriller. And in many quarters, it has been further categorised as the greatest suspense thriller Hitchcock never made. Want to hear one of my ideas for a perfect murder? It's an old Gestapo trick. Shoot one of your own people to show that you're not one of them. There are plenty of motels in this area. You should have... I mean, just to be safe. Let us put that observation to the test. Is Clouseau's film Hitchcockian? Was he really trying to emulate the master of suspense? The irony is that Boileau Narsajac had written Selki Nita Plus out of their admiration for Hitchcock. In fact, they had written their book in the direct hope that Hitchcock might option it for a film. So let's just run through a few things in the novel which might have attracted Hitchcock to the property. The novel focuses on Ferdinand, who is married to Marelle. Ferdinand and his lover Lucienne decide to murder Marelle. Now, Hitchcock had already explored the notion of the perfect murder in Murder, Strangers on a Train and Dilemme for Murder. At exactly 11 o'clock, I shall go to the telephone in the hotel to call my boss. I shall dial the wrong number, this number, that's all I shall do. When the phone rings, you'll see the light go on under her bedroom door. When she opens it, the light will stream across the room. So don't move until she answers the phone. Furthermore, Ferdinand and Lucienne put their plan into action by lacing Morel's brandy with a heavy sedative. Sedatives, brandy and copious consumption of alcohol were motifs Hitchcock had already displayed in The Lady Vanishes, Suspicion, Spellbound, Notorious and Under Capricorn. Now then, Lady Henrietta, you mustn't give way. I've brought you something to drink. Take this. Then you can go to bed and sleep. Drink it all down. Selkie Nita Plus climaxes with Ferdinand being racked with such guilt and terror he takes his own life which is roughly how Spellbound ends. After that, Boileau Narsajac pulled their final twist by revealing that Marelle's death was faked and she had been conspiring all the while with Lucienne to do away with Ferdinand. Well, faking a death was a plot device Hitchcock had used in Foreign Correspondent. And in that same year, Rebecca featured a man who not only transported his dead wife's body to another location, but was subsequently tormented by his memories of her. We should never have come back to Mandalay. Oh, what a fool I was. Now you might have noticed that I've only been citing films that Hitchcock made before November the 21st, 1955. 
the date Lady Abelique was released in America. So let's now examine the films Hitchcock made after that date. In other words, let's examine not whether Lady Abelique is the greatest suspense thriller Hitchcock never made, but rather how big an impact it had on him. The obvious examples would include the limited use of music. Outside of the opening and closing credits, Clouseau kept extra diegetic music off his soundtrack, whereas for the birds, Hitchcock eschewed any such music altogether. Elsewhere, North by Northwest and Family Plot both have characters who fake their deaths. Frenzy has a sequence where a corpse is transported from one location to another, while in Torn Curtain, Professor Michael Armstrong and a farmer's wife join forces to kill a Stasi agent, not by drowning him in a bath, but by choking, stabbing, beating, and finally pushing him headfirst into a gas oven. And then there is a minor detail in Lady Abelique, when Michel's Prince of Wales suit, the one he had been wearing when he was drowned, is inexplicably delivered to the schoolhouse by a local dry-cleaning service. A corresponding moment occurs in North by Northwest, when Roger Thornhill, trying to locate the elusive George Kaplan, goes to the Plaza Hotel where he believes Kaplan is staying. Thornhill locates his room, enters and while searching it, is interrupted when Kaplan's suit is delivered to the door by the hotel's dry-cleaning service. But for all that, there is one thing in the novel that would not have attracted Hitchcock. There are elements in Selkie Plus that pertain to ghosts. Hitchcock did not do ghost stories. His game was the physical world, and he never meddled with anything beyond it. At least he didn't until 1958, when he adapted D'Entre la Mort, or From Among the Dead, written by none other than Buelo Narsajak. Somewhere in here I was born. It was only a moment for you. you. You took no notice. In that sense, Vertigo can be seen as a culmination of almost all of Hitchcock's tropes. MacGuffins, guilt, obsession and voyeurism. Mistaken identity, doppelgangers, staircases and birds. The perfect murder, the fake death and falling from heights. All of them dreamt up and placed in one neat story by two of his most ardent admirers. So failing to secure the rights to Selkie Nita Plus proved to be a blessing in disguise. Hitchcock went from missing out on a project that is regarded as the greatest suspense thriller he never made to securing the rights to a property that turned out to be the greatest film he ever made. But I'm forgetting one other picture. It doesn't feature a murder in a bathtub, but one in a shower. and a very lengthy sequence detailing the transportation of the corpse into a dirty pool of water. So perhaps Lady Abelique is neither an instance of Clouseau trying to emulate the master of suspense, nor the greatest thriller Hitchcock never made, but rather a showcase from which Hitchcock borrowed several ideas in order to plot his later stories 